You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring interim pastor Stephen Usry and pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway.
Hallelujah. Good morning. Hey, can we just say the name of Jesus together real quickly? One, two, three. Jesus. You know, that's a brand new song for me this morning. I'd never heard that song, but it reminds me of that moment where the psalmist says, I will sing a new song unto the Lord. Was it the first for anybody else here today? Well, some of us, yeah. In Jesus' name, we, not y'all. Oh, y'all too? Oh, all right. Hey, together we gather and we worship in Jesus' name. Hey, I want to share some awesome things with you. Um, Before I do that, though, real quickly, I'm going to just give you a chance to love on one another. Would you just take a minute to say hey to the folks right around you? Welcome one another. Maybe shake a hand, hug a neck. I invite you to grab a seat close to you there. Hey, yesterday was an awesome day. Um, The the women of Midway had a phenomenal day of retreat together. They were talking about the seasons of life, and we wanted to give you just a little bit of a taste. If you weren't here, you can't really know it. We wanted to give you just a little taste of what probably 80-plus women experienced here yesterday in retreat. This is a little of their story. Love that smile at the end. It was a great day for our women in this church. Why don't you give those who are part of that day and all of those that work just a big thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They, they left the pergola in the back, but it was, uh, oh, there we go. Uh, they left the pergola in the back, but I wish you could have seen the whole space. It was a phenomenal day. Hey, just a couple of things I want to mention to you, and then we're going to get back to worship. I'm so new around this place. Uh, my name is Stephen Ushery. I'm the interim senior pastor here. I'm still doing meet and greets. And this week, uh, on Tuesday night, we have a meet and greet here, right here in this sanctuary. We'd love to have you. If you want to sign up for that RSVP, you can do that via the website. Also, next Sunday morning, if that's more convenient, 
to your, between our worship services at, at the 948 5 hour. We're going to do another meet and greet. I'd love to meet you, get to know your story, hear what you love about Midway. That's going to be in the chapel, 945, next Sunday morning. Second thing I want to mention to you is six weeks from right now. Where are you going to be six weeks from right now? Say Midway. Uh, That's where you're going to be. Six weeks from right now is the centennial celebration of that chapel right there, 100 years. You know, this church is almost 200 years old, but 100 years ago, a tornado came through, blew away a chapel. They rebuilt that chapel, and it's still standing there today. Six weeks from right now, we're going to be celebrating 100 years of just that facility on this property. And we invite you to be a part of that, to invite your family, your friends to be a part of that great day. We're calling it two worship services and two locations. So here's what you need to know. Our worship services are all going to start at 10 o'clock that Sunday morning. But right here, we're going to have a contemporary service right over there in the historic chapel. We're going to have our traditional service. We're going to pack this place out. We're going to have a phenomenal day of worship. Steve Wood, who's one of my dear friends who grew up in this church, is coming back to preach. He's a he's senior pastor in Mount Pisgah. He's looking forward to being in two locations, preaching in two locations that day. It's going to be a blast. We're going to take a huge picture together, and then we're going to have some great food together. Do not miss March the 19th. Going to be an awesome day. Are you ready to worship? Stand to your feet, if you will. The Lord's word says in Psalm chapter 150, let everything that has breath. Real quickly, breathe for me. That's you. Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Let's worship together, guys. Let's worship the name of Jesus. We just set the tone. Jesus. So speak Jesus into your heart. Speak Jesus into your mind. Speak Jesus into your worries. Speak Jesus into the results you're looking for, expecting for. Speak Jesus into your dreams, into your tiredness. We're here just to worship his name. Let him come with everything that he gives. Worship Jesus. Worthy of every song we could have. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. But live for you.
We trust you, Lord. Your word says if we need faith, ask for faith. We ask you for faith, Jesus Christ. May we touch you and be healed. Your presence is here. We want to touch you, Lord. We want to be visited by your power. Give us faith. In the name of Jesus, give us faith. Worship his name. Worship his name.
Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Amen. I'd love to invite our children to come forward for the children's sermon. Thank you for teaching us everything we did this year. Thank you for everything that you have done to us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you. Thank you for teaching me about God and Jesus. Thank you for teaching here at, at Midway UMC, and thank you for the amazing things you help out with. We love you. We love you here, and we hope you have an um, an amazing year. Thank you for being my teacher, and thank you for teaching me about God. Thank you for being my teacher and teaching me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being my teacher. Thank you for being my teacher. Well, as you saw in that video, we are um, had an appreciation this morning, an appreciation breakfast for our children's um, Sunday school teachers. And so we made that for them, showed that to them, and... Um, and had them a little catered breakfast from Cracker Barrel because we are so grateful for them. Um, if you too would like to be showered with that love and appreciation, we could use you in our children's ministry. So find me after service if you'd like to volunteer with all of these awesome kiddos. All right, you guys ready? Are you? How are you guys this morning? Good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Well, brought something with me today. I hope you do not have one of these. I, yeah. So I've learned something about myself over the years. My um, dad actually says if he wants to get rid of a plant, he should just give it to me because I just kill plants. So this is a little plant that I tried to grow. There were actually, I think, five of them. And I tried to grow them. And look how it ended up. It died a horrible, horrible death. Um, so I'm sure I was doing something wrong when I was trying to grow this plant. Um, so what does a plant need to grow? Yes, Charlie. Space. Okay, it has to have space to grow. Okay. It needs soil. Yep, for sure. So I got the soil. The soil's there. Yes. <laughs> it, doesn't, it does need light. It needs sunshine. And there's one other thing it needs. It needs water. Okay, so I did water it one time. Um, it, should I just water it one time, or do I have to do it, like, more often? Oh, no. Okay. I don't think it's every hour, but I, so, but I do think I should have probably watered it more than once. So am I supposed to pour the water on it, or can I just put the water beside it like, a, like for my, I do with my dog? 
Okay. Okay, well, maybe with these tips, I can actually grow some plants next time instead of killing all five of my little plants. So, um, but if anyone would like to use this to grow a plant, you're welcome to it because I'm not doing very well. Um, so, this goes into our little, uh, our verse in the Bible that we're going to talk about today, the story. And that was in um, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. And um, Jesus was talking about how small seeds fall onto the ground and they come in and they grow into large plants. And, he, and the things that you have to do, like you guys told me, right? You have to have soil, you have to have sunshine, and you have to have water, which I think was my downfall. Um, and those plants grow, and then they can be like shade for animals, and, um, and they could be food for animals, because you know some of the animals eat food. But do you think he was just telling us how to grow plants? Or was he telling us something else? close I think he was telling us how we can grow our faith and our faith in him so if we have to water a plant it has to have sunshine and it has to have soil what do you think you need to grow your faith in Jesus go to church that's a good one pray for sure anyone else oh you can sing praises for sure talk to your pastor uh-huh and Read the Bible. It's a big one, right? And so when we do all those things, does it help us to grow our faith? What was that? Yes. Do we only have to do it one time? So it's not, so it's like my plant. I can't just water it one time and expect it to grow and thrive. You have to do it over and over again, right? How often do you think you should do it? How often do you think you should pray, read your Bible, talk to God? Uh-huh, yeah, every day. And that would help grow your faith a bunch, huh? And what happens when you grow your faith? What happens inside of you? It does make you feel really good. And what does Miss Tiffany always say? To shine your, that's right, it helps you to shine your light. And so other people can see it. Because they can see, if your faith is strong, they can see that because you shine your light, right? All right, let's bow our heads and let's say a prayer and pray that God helps us to grow in our faith, okay? Say, dear Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for giving us the guidance on how to grow our faith. Help us to shine our light for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can head to your parents or down. Our disaster relief team is coming up. Um, we are sending them off on a mission this week. They will be serving in Jackson, Georgia, um, doing some cleanup as the, um, from, the, from the tornadoes a couple weeks ago. Um, they're going with Alpharetta first and Canton first. So there's about 20 people total that are going. And we wanted to invite them forward this morning to pray over them and to uh, send them out to do God's work. Uh, not only are they helping to rebuild, but we hope that they will be able to talk to some of the folks that they are rebuilding for. Um, and like Tiffany said, shine, shine their light for Jesus. Um, 
this is not the only time that they are going to go out and do this. So there are other opportunities for you to join with them to do this. Uh, make sure you keep your eye on the midweek or our Facebook page for more uh, info on times and places and dates. Um, you know, last year, Hurricane Ian really devastated uh, parts of Florida. There's still lots of cleanup to be done there. Um, and then the tornadoes this past um, December, I think it was. Um, so we want to we wanna ask them, would you guys kneel, kneel to pray? And I'm going to ask the congregation if y'all would just, as a, a sign of um, sending prayers to them and with them, um, if you guys would reach your hands out as well. Almighty God, we thank you so much for, your, for Jerry, for Lee, and for Doug. God, that they have heard your call. God, I pray for safety. I pray that you would be with them and be with the other churches that are going to serve. Allow them to rebuild and, and help people find renewal. Help people find hope. We know that our hope is in you. And God, we know that, that by sharing our hope with others, they might come to find you as well. We pray for safe travels and safe returning. God, just be with them all of the way. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week we started a brand new series, and I wasn't here. <laughs> I had a little family emergency, and I had to dive away. I thought Amanda did a phenomenal job launching a series that she didn't even create and, and preaching a sermon she didn't craft. She did a phenomenal job talking about how we get stronger in our body. She reminded you last week that on January the 13th, by the way, National Quitters Day, people are already quitting their resolutions. Uh, we want to be the kind of people who say, you know what, we don't quit. We're forever going to be on a pursuit to become more and more like Jesus. That was, that's what this series is all about. And so today we're going to talk about getting stronger in your faith. And as a matter of fact, we have Holy Communion planned for today. Um, and when I miss a Sunday, I kind of have a double sermon in me, so i got to go fast, all right? I want to invite you to grab that little outline. If you miss one of those, uh, there's a little pen in your, in your seat pocket in front of you. I recognize that's something that's not necessarily something Midway is used to, but it's definitely something that I've used for years as a way of helping me, and I know it has become a help to so many other people. Um, it's a way that you can have the, the message outlive the moment, if you will. You can put it in your Bible. Now, I was telling the 830 crew today. Um, I'm, I'm your interim pastor until about June the 30th. I, I figure that I get to have about 20 moments to break open God's word with you and study God's word. And, and then uh, Jenny Andoni 
Uh, your senior pastor more than likely is going to come back. I mean, anything could happen in our itinerant United Methodist system, but that's the plan. And, and I hope, by the way, you're praying for Jenny. But I, I told the 830 crew, I, I, I was thinking about all that's going to happen, including Easter. And I dare say that what we're going to talk about this morning might be the most important message that I ever turn to God's word with you and break open. So I want to invite you to be attentive. I want to invite you to be ready. I want to invite you to say, God, what do you have for me today? Today we're going to talk about how you get stronger in your faith. By the way, that was a wonderful lesson for our children to learn, right? How do you do that? You do it over and over again. Today we're going to talk about a predictable pattern for how God works in growing our faith. Now, there's a theme verse in this uh, series. And it's Romans 8, 29. Matter of fact, it's right there at the top of your outline. And it's right behind a very famous scripture. Most people can quote Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But they don't realize there's a verse after it. They certainly don't know that verse starts with the word for, which ties the two verses together. And so I am going to read Romans 8, 29 at the start of every one of these messages. Because my hope for you is that you'd really get the power of Romans 8, 29, so much so that you'd have it memorized by the end. Yes, I just gave you homework. All right? Memorize Romans 8, 29. And Romans 8, 29 says this. For, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Just a couple of big ideas there. Notice the word destiny or predestined. It's the idea that before you were born, you know what God's plan for you was? You know what God's hope for you was? That one day you would look like his son. And notice that other word, forming, that you would be conformed. It's this idea that God is not some distant God who's not involved in your life. He knows you so well that he is always at work like the potter and the clay. He wants to form you and shape you into what? Into the image of his son. So every week I'm going to ask you this opening question. If God's destiny, if his plan is to form you in the image of his son. And that's what he's working towards. What are you doing to cooperate with his work? God, God wants to make your faith strong. All right? He wants to make your faith like the faith of his son. That's some pretty high bars right there, right? What are you doing to grow your faith? What are you doing to partner with God so that your faith is getting bigger and bigger? Your trust is getting bigger and bigger. We sang that song earlier. Did y'all even hear those words? I've sang that song a bunch of times, that ocean song. It says, it says, there's one verse, just grab me today. Lord, help me have faith without borders. What a beautiful picture. Are you growing? One time Jesus came into a town and uh, they brought him two blind men and there they were, and Jesus asked them a question. By the way, the scripture that I'm going to read to you from Matthew 9 is where this comes from. Matthew chapter 9, they brought two blind men to him. And Jesus looked at those two blind men, and he asked them a question. He says, do you believe that I can heal you? That was the question. They said, yes. You know what Jesus said? He said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, According to your faith, it will be done to you. And he reached out and healed them. Now, I want you to think about that. It's a beautiful scripture. According to your faith. What is your faith looking like right now? Is it growing? 
Is it getting stronger? I brought with me a little metaphor this morning. It's a little dumbbell that I use in my home. It's this idea that um, I get stronger not by sitting around, right? I get stronger by doing something, right? I get stronger even through hardship, even through weight, I get stronger. By the way, faith is a muscle, all right? Faith is a muscle. So your faith is actually either getting stronger or it's an atrophy. It's getting weaker. It's shrinking. So the question that God brought you here today to talk to you about is what's happening to your faith? God wants your faith to get stronger and stronger. And so today, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Midway, God wants us to have a strong faith. In another place in the Gospel of Mark, it says this, everything is possible for the person of faith. So today I'm going to share with you probably something you've never heard before, all right? I'm going to share with you something I hope you hold on to for the rest of your life. That's why I said it may be the most important message I ever share with you. It's a predictable pattern about how God grows our faith. Pastor Stephen, what do you mean by it's a predictable pattern? It's over and over in the Bible. And maybe nobody ever showed it to you, but I'm going to show it to you this morning. It's over and over again, and it's just in phases. And God uses these phases to stretch us and grow us if we will meet him and cooperate him. I hope you got your pen. We're going to dive in, okay? The first phase is simply this. It's what I call a dream, all right? A dream. It's phase number one. A dream is a, a picture, a plan, a purpose, a, a calling, it's, it's God's preferred future for you. It can be something big, this like, you know, big, hairy, audacious thing that God wants you to do. And it could be something that's uh, this, this kind of, or maybe, maybe you'd even call it routine. I, I, this is a picture or a plan of how God wants your future to look. So before we get into our pictures and our plans and God's dreams for us, let's talk about how this happens in the Bible real quickly, okay? There was a guy named Noah. He didn't know God had a dream to save the world, but God comes to him and says, I'm going to use you to save the world. That's a pretty big dream, don't you agree? There was a guy named Moses. Moses Moses is just out tending sheep, sees a burning bush, goes to the burning bush, and God says, my people are in slavery, and I'm going to use you. I have a dream for you. I have a purpose. I have a picture. I have a plan for you. This is the way God works. Joseph Joseph, in in the book of Genesis, I'm calling you to be a leader to save many people. Oh, that's a big dream. Joseph even began to tell his brothers, and his brothers got mad at him about it, right? When he understood the dream, he started believing in the dream. His faith became operational when he understood what God had for him. Moses, 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 you're going to go out and rescue my people. Nehemiah, my people, are the walls are destroyed. I'm going to use you to build back up Jerusalem. David, I have a dream for you. Can you imagine this? Calls him in from a sheep herder field. Samuel anoints him with oil, whispers in his ear, you are going to be the next king of Israel. He's a little boy. He's 11, 14 years of age. Guys, the Bible says this. God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our desires, our thoughts, or our hopes. You see, God has a path and a plan for you. He has dreams for you. I'm not talking about your dreams. I'm talking about his dreams for you. Is your faith operational with his dreams for you? I remember when God called me to plant a church in South Atlanta. 
wow, I'm supposed to go plant a church? I was so scared of that, right? But it was a beautiful dream. Plant a church that reached lost, irreligious people who don't know Jesus, giving up on God. That's a big thing, right? That's a big dream. I'll never forget when I started I met this woman I was interested in, and I I thought to myself, is this God's plan? Is this part of God's dream? You see how it operates? What is your faith? It always starts with a dream, and then it moves to phase two. Get your pen real quickly. It moves to phase two, and that's going to be a decision. Are you going to act on the call of God, the purpose of God, the picture of God, the dream of God? It always takes an action. By the way, nothing happens until somebody says they're going to do something about something, right? So you got to be able to say, I'm going to go for this thing. I'm going to go after it. James said it this way. You must believe. There's our faith. You must believe and not doubt. A double-minded man is unstable in all he does. It takes a decision. I think so many Christians have heard God's God's dreams for them, but they're stuck in phase two. It's going to be a decision. It's going to be some risky things, okay? But by the way, faith is not only a muscle. Faith is a verb. It takes action. you got to act on the dream that God is speaking over you and your family, whatever that is. By the way, this this is what happens all the time. Abraham. My dream for you is that you'd be the father of a nation. Abraham's like, yeah, that sounds good. I'm all for that. And then God says, oh, by the way, pick up everything you own and get to moving. I'm not going to tell you where to stop. That's a decision point right there, right? Am I going to move towards the path God's told me to move? Moses, Moses, I, I want you to go rescue my people. Moses says, okay, I will. And then he says, and by the way, you need to go to Egypt. I know you're wanted for murder head on. Well, that's a decision point, isn't it? You see, nothing happens without this phase two. Now, in phase two, what's going to happen is there's going to be a risk. You're going to have to invest and you're going to have to risk. What do you invest? Time, money, energy, your reputation. There's a lot of things you can be investing. What are you risking? Definitely security. Hey, Nehemiah, my people are in Jerusalem. The walls are all broken down. I want you to go rebuild the walls. Okay, he begins to pray and fast. And then God says to him, and by the way, I put you sitting right there next to the king because I want you to go to the king and he's going to give you all the lumber and all the stuff. Are you willing to risk your life? You see, phase two will always call for an investment and a risk. You're going to have to risk something. I, I like it. Uh, have you ever seen, you went to the circus and you saw the trapeze artist swinging? I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, are they crazy? That's amazing they can do that. They're swinging on this swing, and then about that time, somebody else from the other end lets a swing go, all right? And you got two swings going, and you're sitting there anticipating the moment that they're going to move from one swing to the other swing. Now, what's amazing is they never put those swings close enough where a person can let go of one and hold on to the other at the same time and then let it go. That's not the way it works. The the way it works is they have to let go and jump and grab the other swing. So at one moment, get this picture, at one moment, they ain't holding on to that thing and they ain't holding on to that thing. They are moving. It's a decision point, right? They're investing and they're risking. They're moving forward. This is what faith is all about. There will always be a dream. God's always got plans for you, hopes for you, pictures for your future. And it will call you to invest and risk. That's called a decision. And it will always move then to phase three. Count on it. Write it down. 
Phase three is a delay. There will always be a delay. There will always be some time gap. This is a predictable pattern. This is how God works. God doesn't just accomplish the dream immediately. There will always be a waiting period. There will always be a time lapse period where you have to wait. The Bible says it this way. These are God's words. But these things I plan, that's his dream, these things I plan, they won't happen right away. There's the delay. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. You know what you and I have a hard time doing? Waiting on anything. We don't like to wait in lines. We don't like to wait in Atlanta traffic. We don't like to wait on Christmas, my goodness. But you know what we really don't like to wait on? God. We get in a hurry. And have you ever noticed God don't ever get in a hurry? Have you ever noticed that? There will always be a delay. There's always Noah. I'm going to use you to save the world. I want you to build me a boat. You know what doesn't get press time? It was 120 years from the time God told Noah to build the boat by the time the the waters and the rain started. 120 years. There will always be a delay. Moses is marching. God said, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. Right after he crosses the Red Sea, where does he walk into? A wilderness. And he's going to be there quite a while. There will always be a delay. Joseph, you're going to be a leader. He's, he's gone to prison. David, you're going to be the king. He's going to keep sheep for quite a while and then be a warrior long before he ever gets to be a king. Even Jesus himself, for 30 years, sat in a carpentry shop waiting to start his ministry. It will always start with a dream, move to an, a decision, an action, right, that's going to call you to invest and risk something. But let me promise you, there will always be a delay. By the way, Pastor Stephen, help me understand, why does God have a delay? Why is that, that waiting period there? It's because he has to work in you. He needs to do a work in you before the work is complete. And if we could really understand that delay, it's, it's okay. God, you're going to work in me. You're going to mold inside of me. I'm not ready where I need to be yet. That, the delay is okay. Even though we find it hard, it's part of how God works. There will always be a dream that will move to a decision. How is your faith doing in that moment? It will move to a delay, and then phase four, write this one down, it's going to move to difficulties. <laughs> it's going to move to some difficulties. You know, let me, let me, so let me give you the good news. You not only get to wait, you get to wait with problems, okay? You get to wait, and now problems are going to show up. Now, there's a reason for this, but before we ever get to the reason, can we just go to the Bible? And can we see how this happens over and over and over again? Moses walks into the wilderness and he says, well, I'm going to have to wait before we ever get to the promised land. Guess what? The people say, hey, 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 we ain't got no water. We ain't got no food. And they start grumbling. And then all of a sudden snakes show up. My goodness, that's problems. Wouldn't you agree? This happens over and over and over again in the Bible. David, you're going to be king. The king who is presently king gets jealous of him and starts trying to take his life and is pursuing him. Talk about difficulties, right? Joseph goes to prison accused of rape. Noah, I mean, you ever thought about the difficulty of building a floating ark? I mean, he's got to build a boat. Difficulties come. Pastor Stephen, why? Well, I've already told you why the delay happens. God's got a work to do in you. But why? Why, why would difficulties come? 
See, people get mad at God at this moment. You need to watch. In phase number four, people want to shake a fist at God. God, why these difficulties? Why is this happening? The Bible tells us. Let's read it together. Why? The Bible says from Peter, At the present, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. By the way, some of you are right. You are living in phase four right now. Okay? You are going through difficulties and trials right now. So listen to the word of God. It says, harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. It happens to prove. Hear the word refine. Hear the word heat up your faith. Which is infinitely more valuable than gold. So when the difficulties come, As much as you want to say, I don't understand why, understand that God is proving and refining your faith in these moments. You've got to hold on. You don't give up through difficulties. You know that God's got a dream for your life. There will always be a dream. It will call for a decision. That decision will always result if you act in delay. All right? It will be a time gap. And that delay will also result in difficulties. Difficulties will come. This is biblical. It happens over and over and over again. And it's going to lead to stage five. And I know I'm going fast, but write this one down. A dead end. A dead end. A dead end is a place. Now listen now. A dead end is a place where problems or difficulties turn into impossibilities. A dead end is a place where you go, the dream's dead. I mean, I've been been pursuing this, but the dream is over. Now, by the way, if you've ever been, I I almost want to make you raise your hand if you've ever been to a dead end, okay? If you've ever been to a dead end, I have just a real quick word for you, okay? Congratulations! Congratulations! You are in great company. The Bible is full of people who got to a dead end. They had a dream, they, went, they made a decision, they had the detour, they had the delay, they, they, they had the difficulties, and then all of a sudden, they reached a dead end. By the way, listen to Paul's words. Oh, draw encouragement and strength from this. Paul was trying to explain to the Corinthian church, he said it this way. At that time, we were completely overwhelmed. The burden was more than we could bear. In fact, we told ourselves that this was the end. That's a dead end, isn't it? Now listen to what he says. He says, yet we now believe, this is faith, yet we now believe that we had this sense of impending disaster so that, why? So that we might learn to trust. There's the faith, right? That we might learn to trust. Trust in who? Not in ourselves, but in a God who can raise the dead. Do you get what Paul, I hope you're picking up what Paul is laying down, all right? Paul is saying, we found a dead, and he's talking about Jesus hanging on a tree. But you know what he's saying? You know what we realized? We, we, we realized then that it was really not over. It looked like a dead end, but God is a God of resurrections. We learn to trust that God can resurrect the dead. Maybe you came to church today just to hear this message. Now listen. If God can resurrect the dead, you know what he can do? He can resurrect your dead marriage. If God can resurrect the dead, he can resurrect your dead career and your job path. 
If God can resurrect the dead, he can resurrect and your body, even a diagnosis has come your way. All things are possible for those that believe. So the, the, watch, watch in Scripture. Abraham, you're going to be the father of a nation. 70, 75, 80, 85, 85, 85, 90. That guy still ain't had no baby. 95, still ain't got no baby. He probably looks at himself and sees a dead end, right? He looks at his body, and if he don't see a dead end there, he looks over at her body and sees a dead end, all right? Looks like a dead end. We ain't going to have no babies. Y'all with me? Dead ends happen all over the place. Moses marching out. Can you imagine what the Israelites felt like when Pharaoh's finally said, yeah, let them go, let them go, just let them go. They go marching out. I bet they were singing a song, and they, all of a sudden they got almost to the Red Sea, and they heard, Pharaoh doesn't change his mind. Army coming after us. They, they walk right into a cul-de-sac. They're right up against the water, and the army's pursuing them. You talk about a dead end. By the way, now listen, by the way, sometimes, When you get to a dead end, you are exactly where God wants you to be. Sometimes when you're right there, you want to talk about disciples. Jesus said, I have a dream. Come follow me. They saw all kinds of miracles happen. They saw the dream happening. And then all of a sudden, they saw him die on a tree. Dream is over. The dream's at a dead end. But you see, if God, if God can resurrect the dead, he can do anything. This is, now listen, one of the things you need to understand, this is the danger for you, O Christ follower. When you get to a dead end, beware of something. Here's what you need to be aware of. Your heart can get discouraged and you can start to lose hope. And it's in this moment that you have to believe. It's in this moment where everything says it's over, it's a dead end. This is the moment where you say, no, 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 no. I believe in a God who can do anything. I believe in a God who can do miracles. I, be- I, I am going to expect him to show up. By the way, God loves it when his children believe him to show up. So, starts with a dream, moves to a decision. If you make that action by your faith, there will always be a delay. Count on it. God's doing a work in you. That delay will always be added to it. Difficulties. He's going to refine your faith. Are you hearing this probably for the first time in your life? Is this making sense? Are you understanding it? And then not only that, it's going to finally end up in a dead end. Why? For two reasons. God wants to get the glory, not you. But secondly, he wants you to believe him for miracles. And then you finally get to phase six. If you have the faith, if you held on, if you believe God for a miracle, and phase six is deliverance. God loves to show up and save the day. God loves to rush in and do his work. He loves to show up and show out. So, you know, Paul said to the Corinthians, he has delivered and he will deliver us again. It's this expectation in my spirit is he's done it before, he will do it again. I'm not going to say my last cul-de-sac. It ain't my last dead end. God will show up and save the day. In another scripture it says, I am expecting the Lord to rescue me again so that once again I will see his goodness to me. So Moses and company walk into the cul-de-sac of a dead end, right? Pharaoh's army's pursuing. God says, raise up your hands, boy. He raises up his hands and all of a sudden, the water moves out from in front. And the Bible says they walked 
through on dry ground. 99 sounds like a a dead end to me for Abraham, but at 99, he's just working his regular day, wondering, is God's dreams ever going to come through? And somebody comes and says, she's pregnant. What? She's pregnant at 99. This is how God works. God loves to turn dead ends into deliverance. He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrection. The church, we got to go, and I'm way over time. But I hope we came here for the Lord today because one of the most important things we're going to do is meet him at this altar and receive communion today. But I want to close with just two questions, okay? You got that little outline in front of you? I want you to look at it for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question about it. Can you find yourself in one of those phases? Is it a dream that you've been thinking about but you hadn't acted on yet? Is it a decision that right now you need to make, but you know it's going to cost an investment and a risk? Are you in a delay? Are you in a waiting period right now and you're going, God, let me remind you, God's got you in that waiting period because he wants to do something inside of you. Maybe you're going through difficulties. I know someone is here today and you're going through difficulties and you are wondering, why, God? Why is this going on? He is proving your faith. Believe and trust. Maybe somebody would say, phase five is me. I feel like I'm at a dead end. At a dead end, that's where you're at right now. Can you believe God for a miracle? Can you expect God to show up and do something? Can you trust him to deliver you? The first question that I wanted to ask you is, can you find yourself there? Because if you can, if you can find yourself on that little, those little six words, Then you can move to the more important question, which is the question I started our day with. What are you going to do to cooperate with God? He is forming the image of Jesus in you. What will you do to partner with him and to strengthen your faith in this day? Pray with me, church. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you care so much about our faith, and you never give up on us. Lord, forgive us when we haven't understood that simple lesson that faith is a muscle, and we're either getting stronger or we're shrinking. Lord, today we pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would make us stronger in our faith. Lord, we believe. Whatever phase we're in, we want to say to you, we believe in you. We believe you're working in us. We believe you're forming the image of Jesus in us. And we trust in you. We trust in you to save the day. We trust in you to fulfill the dream. God, we place our full faith and trust in you. And thank you, Jesus, for the good work you're doing in us. Make us stronger and make Jesus' image stronger in us. Even in this day, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Church, we're going, to run, we're going to move through the um, administration of communion, but before we do that, I recognize that this may be one of your first Sundays with Midway, and one of the ways that we receive Holy Communion is actually by just coming to the altars and bowing here at the altar and creating space. What I'd like to say to you also is that while you're waiting to receive communion and you're sitting there in your seat, it's a wonderful moment for you to have a moment of prayer, to talk with Christ, to take a moment to reflect upon your life, to repent of your sin, 
and to come expecting to meet with Christ in this holy place. When you bow at the altar, it's just a time for you to pray. You will be served, and then you will return to your seats whenever you're ready at your own will. Um, We invite you to come, and if you need to be served where you are, you can just flag us, and we'll come to serve you right where you are. On the night that Jesus was about to give his life for the world, he took bread. Bread is one of the most natural things. It's one of the things we keep in our houses all the time. We're so routinely comfortable with bread. But that night, Jesus changed bread forever. He gave us a different understanding. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. They, they had no idea what was about to happen. They had no idea how he was about to give his life for the world. But he said, take and eat each one of you. My body broken for you. Would you pray with me? God, we pray that this bread for us today would represent for us, Jesus, the body that you broke for us. Thank you that you loved us so much that you went to the cross and paid an ultimate price to redeem us from our sin and to make a way back for us to the Father. And then the Bible says that Jesus took a cup from the table. And after they had received that bread, he took that cup, held it up, prayed a prayer of blessing over it, and he passed around that cup explaining to them that he would bear the burden of their sin. That he was going to establish a new covenant, a covenant of grace. That cup for them at that moment, they did not understand. But for us who live after the cross, we understand this to be a symbol of, of the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, he shed for us to atone for our sin. Would you pray with me? God, we pray for, that you would bless this cup. Lord, we touch the juice and it, it touches our lips and it goes into our, our bodies and it's so sweet to us. But we are reminded, Lord, for you that it, this, was, this was so hard as you poured out your blood for us. God, forgive us. And today, even in the bread and in the juice, let, let the reminder of your great love on Calvary, Calvary be here for us, that you love us, that you forgive us, and that you raise us up to the newness of life. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. As you come, let me just remind you of one last thing. This is not a Methodist table. This is not Midway's table. We call this the table of the Lord. You have been been invited to come to the Lord's table. May you come, create space, and in this place, may Jesus minister to you. In the name of Christ, come.
Church, can I just get you to stand to your feet just a minute? I'd love to just speak a word over you for a minute. Um, we're a little late today, but I, I thank God for his presence in this place, and I pray that you have felt God's presence in this place. I, um, I've been in ministry for a very long time, and I just want to brag on you in front of you for a moment, okay? I've been in ministry for a very long time, and one time I was serving a probably one of the largest churches in America, one of the largest churches certainly here in Atlanta, Georgia. And there was a pattern that I noticed, even as a young clergy person, that uh, sometimes when the message was over and Holy Communion started, some folks bolted to the door. They were heading to the cars, getting to the restaurant or whatever. And it always broke my heart. It broke my spirit. You know, I was like, what? You've missed the whole point. If you're missing Holy Communion, this is an awesome and holy moment. I'm very thankful that the churches that I've been able to serve and pastor have always had a spirit that they never forgot what the most important thing was. And so thank you today that even though we're a little bit long, you, you are attentive to the good work that God wants us to do in this place, not only in hearing from his word, but in meeting with him, receiving forgiveness of our sin, arising, heading back out into the mission field together. My prayer for you is that this week, that you would act in faith. I pray that in the name of Jesus, your faith gets stronger. Take action. Do something. He is trustworthy. I promise. God bless you, Midway. Have an awesome week. been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. 
We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.